Well, welcome along, listeners, uh, to a special edition of the Marshall Pruitt Podcast here at Bathurst. It's a bit of a Porsche special for you. The Rolex 24 Hours is in the rearview mirror, and we're looking ahead to the Bathurst 12 Hour, which is hours away until the track starts now, as, as I told you. Um, before we get into our special guests, uh, which, well, we've got Craig Lowndes, Earl Bamber, uh, and Matt Campbell on the show uh, for this one. Um, I'll say thank you to the sponsors for the program Cooper Tyres and the Justice Brothers uh, for all the hard work they put in to keep this show ticking over thank you as always um, so before we get cracking talking all things Porsche in this race I've got a, a special guest with me to do a little bit of a uh, an introduction a bit of a preview to what we've got to look forward to here and that is Richard Crail a broadcaster um, here a long time attendee of this event mm. um, Richard welcome to the Marshall Pruitt podcast thank you Stephen nice to be here yeah. second time in a couple of weeks actually yeah. <laughs> chat with your good colleague Gigi down at the Bend Motorsport Park which is my other home racetrack um, but very glad you're coming back here. I remember the first time you came to Mount Panorama. Do you remember the look in my face? Yeah, and, and it didn't disappear the whole weekend. It was still there when we left and saw you leave on Monday. It's the nature of this place, though, isn't it? It just it, it causes goosebumps. And I've been lucky enough to be coming here for 16 years now, I think, for the 1,000 and for this event as it's built and grown. And it never gets old. It never stops being exciting and cool when you drive into the place. And that's part of its special appeal. Certainly doesn't get any cooler either because it's no. a lot hotter than I remember from two years ago. Holy moly! Yeah, well, uh, lots has been documented about the summer Australia's had. It's been pretty rough for some, but um, it, it, everything that's happened down here has teed off because we're in a massive drought and um, it's been properly hot. And this whole week's been hot and quite steamy as well at times too. They get some cool afternoon storms that roll in here, and in fact, as we talk. There's a forecast for the race on Sunday afternoon for 10 mil of rain, 90% chance. Crazy uh, and they could rain after this. I know. It would be ironic, though, wouldn't it, that a motor race would break the drought? That would be just such a cliche car racing thing to do, especially in this part of the world. But that's the nature of Mount Panorama. This is a place where it's been bright, sunny at the bottom and snowing at the top. So it's a crazy joint when it comes to weather anyway. Yeah, sort of shades of the Nürburgring yeah. in terms of just how much things can change at different yeah, yeah. parts of the circuit. So this year we've got quite a remarkable field haven't we so we've got 39 cars entered um and there's a different flavor to it uh, mm. it's there's a lot more gt3 cars than normal aren't there it's been a big talking point and you're right there are i mean 30 we've ended up at 33 gt3 cars which equals the record 11 manufacturers which is a record for gt3 brands represented which is very very cool yeah the, the race has sort of evolved very organically in that and 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 there's a very clear mandate from the promoter to remain a multi-class race it's part of the history and the foundation of the 12 hour back from when it was from series production cars for road basically road going vehicles with with safety gear back in the early 90s and then 2007 when the event returned but just the force of interest from key brands key drivers and key teams to want to be here has just naturally seen this evolve to be not completely a GT3 race, and I don't think it will ever be like Spa, for example, um, but to be a very heavily packed GT3 field. And I, I got asked about that, and, and someone voiced an opinion the other week, and, and whether you agree with it or not, I don't know, about the Spa 24-hour, and someone said, oh, Spa's lost a bit of its magic because it's now just purely GT3. And they wondered if this place would be the same, if this race would be the same. And my answer to that was a bit cliche, but it was, well, no, it won't, because... 
the nature of this place, irrespective of what's racing on it, makes it special. So even with it being predominantly GT3, I still think it's a very, very special motor race. Yeah, it's a hell of a field. It it is, I think, the best 12-hour field we've ever had by far. But if we you seem to say this every year, don't we? We do. But but if you have a serious look at the entry list on paper and walk through good driver combinations, cars that are proven to go well here, and quality race teams, I would argue that this is potentially one of the best fields in an endurance race at this venue, full stop. Not this event, all of them. Because broad contenders, I think there's more than you'll ever see at another race at this place. Well, you can make a case, can't you, for almost every single GT3 car, including the Pro-Am cars. We have seen Pro-Am cars do remarkably well Mm. because of the way that the race pans out with cautions and stuff. You can make a case for everybody winning this thing, can't you? Yeah, 100%. And Pro-Am in this race is Pro-Am in name only when you put a Pro in the car for that last Hail Mary stint with 40 minutes to go after the inevitable late safety car. It's not a Pro-Am car anymore if Romain Dumas is driving the Alabama Motorsport Porsche for the last 40 minutes. That's as pro as a car gets in this race. Great team. Car that's proven here. And one of the most winning drivers we've ever had at Mount Panorama. And that's part of the nature of it and, and the way the race plays out. Traditionally with a lot of safety cars throughout the middle of the day and last year was the exception because we we smashed all the records for green flag running and longest continuous green flag run at four hours and four minutes I think it was in the end Um, but inevitably it comes down to a shootout so you stay on the lead lap get to the last pit stop you're a contender it doesn't matter if you're pro pro am and there's even some silver cars with some pretty handy drivers in them We mentioned the Nurburgring a little a bit earlier, and there's an there's an element of that here where you feel like GT3 cars are on the limit of how quickly you'd want to go around this circuit. And um, I, t- I talked about it with uh, Craig Lowndes for this podcast a bit earlier, which you listeners will hear in a little bit, about the fact that the times keep tumbling and we're seeing just crazy lap times. Mm. And you think how quick the supercars go around here. GT3 cars are <laughs> significantly quicker. They are, and, and this weekend compared to October with the Bathurst 1000, three seconds on average, I would have thought. The, these cars can do 201s here. Supercars are in the high threes now, which for these is amazing for those cars. But the way that a GT3 car produces its speed is very different to a V8 supercar. So the V8s are all about grunt, 650 horsepower. They, they have got aero. They've got more, more aero than they ever have, and it's a whole other podcast about what they're doing to change that. But their, their performance at Mount Panorama is they're very good across the top, but going up the hill, and they're 25 k's an hour quicker down Conrod Strait than a GT3 car. GT3 car's all about aero and tyre, and the Pirelli tyre that's used in this is softer, um, broader, it's a wider tyre than the tyre used in supercars, so they've got more mechanical grip, and a GT3 car's probably got 50% more aero. So across the top, these things are absolutely bananas to watch. It's extraordinary, and, and we've had some amazing drives here in the past with drivers finding the grip limit of aero, of the maximum total grip that these cars can produce. And remember a lap that Lawrence Vanthor did here in an Audi R8 Gen 1 car, it must have been 2015, Spent the whole weekend complaining about BOP because they had no straight line speed. So his solution to that was just drive it harder across the top of the mountain, which I don't know if you've noticed is a car and a half wide in places with concrete walls and it's 240 k's an hour quick in some point. So they're spectacular to watch here at this place and they just produce their speed so well late under brakes and it just makes for thrilling racing. I can't stress enough, Richard, how 
much this race has evolved even from two years ago when I came for the first time mm. this has taken this has taken a step up again and it's not just the international fields this event with more international drivers and more people certainly watching it around the globe yeah. uh, and the field just just this event I'm looking over we're looking and sitting on the balcony over the pit straight we're looking at the merchandise alley which is absolutely rammed with manufacturer stands and appeal can you quantify at this point how much of an effect SRO, GT3 and, and the IGTC have had to this event? Um, I don't, it's not directly quantifiable to one thing or the other, I don't think. It's very much been a natural evolution. But I think the point of difference between this event and the Bathurst 1000, and keep in mind they're now promoted by the same organisation in Supercars events, so it's the same group of people. But this event attracts a, a different audience broadly and and especially those coming to the circuit as well as perhaps those watching on domestic television here in Australia Um, so as a result from where we're looking we've got Lotus we've got Aston Martin we've got Ferrari Porsche with a huge presence um, Audi McLaren as well you wouldn't see those brands doing this at the Bathurst 1000 in October it's the wrong demographic so this event by its nature Lotus have got probably the biggest setup in the paddock they don't have any car in the race amazing I know but but that shows the power of the event I suppose in that a brand doesn't even feel like they need to have an activation actually happening on the race that they can still come here they can set up they can engage with the fans because the fans here are probably the ones likely to go and buy and exceed at some point down the road or at least do a track day in one so is it directly relatable to the tyre with Intercontinental Um, no but that's definitely been a help in having those brands committed to that full season campaign and brands that may not have targeted the Australian market because they've now got a presence in that full season campaign, there's value in them activating at every event they do rather than just spending it all on one or two. Um, those brands are popping up here and joining brands that have been part of it since day dot or have been continually getting bigger and bigger as the race has grown. So it all contributes, but just the natural growth in attendance, the natural growth in TV ratings, which are pretty good here, um, and just broadly the media interest in the race, I think it's just all contributing that manufacturers go, well, we really need to be part of this thing now. There are so many storylines, and I think we could sit here for hours we discussing could. all of them and just going entry by entry. <laughs> you've got things like you've got the new Aston Vantage making an appearance for the first time, the 720S GT3 from McLaren's here for the first time, the new 2020 Mercedes has been homologated in time, which is something we don't often see. Yeah, yeah. It's making a debut. Audi's current spec... R8 is here as well. there's just so much it's, yeah. it's, it's crazy to look at this field and think okay where do you start when you think who's going to win this thing but I've got to ask you who, who are we looking out for if, no. if it's you come on no, come on Richard it's who, who's, who's to look out for who's, who catches your eye when you look oh, at this entry list because we, we could spend all day but we haven't got all day no, to sit here and go through this we don't um, oh, that, it, it's such a difficult question and, and uh, like, on paper there's 20 cars that could win it if you work really hard you can narrow it down to 10 but, but to pin it down... I wouldn't want to do that. No, it's impossible. Look, th- there are a couple of really serious, serious combinations. And you have to start with, I think, the defending winners, El Bamba Motorsport, Car 1, Bamthor, Bamba and Vanthor. They've raced here before. Proven track record, fifth in 2018. Probably would have run- won that race if not finished second, but for a red flag at the end. And they were good to go to the end on fuel. And the car that won wasn't. Long story. Google it. Um... 
and they've got Craig Lowndes with them, who's the king of this joint. No one has scored more podium finishes at Mount Panorama in anything ever than Craig Lowndes. Seven wins in the October race, two wins in this. Could be the first to win it three times. That's a really special combination. Um, I, I don't know how they'll go, but I love the R Motorsport Castrol entry with mm. Rick Kelly, supercar champ, who's got lots of GD3 miles. Um, Jake Dennis, who was just awesome here last year. And he made a name for himself in Australia. I reckon if you quizzed 100 motorsport fans, one of them would have known who Jake Dennis was pre-last year. Well, that's what this race can do. It's mm. the same with people like um, uh, Katsumas Chio. Yep. Like, he went from somebody that outside of maybe Japan, people yep. weren't really aware of. He has a storming drive here, and his career path yep. changed. He's got godlike status in these parts, <laughs> for what he did for Nissan in 2015. Yeah, you're right. Vanthor's probably the other one who yeah. in, in this part of the world, before his awesome drives with Audi, before he was a Porsche driver, um, put him on the map. And he, never, he hasn't won this race yet, but some of the stuff he did has just been awesome. And people went, oh, this Lawrence Vanthor is a pretty decent race car driver. And Jake Dennis was the same last year. And, and the other guy in that car, I, I, he might be familiar to a few people, a young Kiwi bloke, Scott, Scott Dixon, I think's his name. Marshall Pruitt would never have heard of that. No, name. no, probably wouldn't. Um, how cool is it to have Dixie here? Um, we... Uh, you may it's know like Jet Lag Express Some of these yeah, guys I know. Well, the people coming from Daytona 25 I think is the last count It of, goes up by the day <laughs> that, have, that have come from the Rolex to here There's about 30 people in the media room behind us Including your good self Who are all a bit battered and bruised from it um, But also um, I think 11 drivers of that 25 Were on the podium last, And 6-1 so we had a class winner in every class have come here. It shows how good Absolute it is. Absolutely crazy. But, so Dixon, obviously, and, and Ringer van der Zander won the race. But having Dixon here is fantastic. I can't believe he's never raced here. Mm. Um, but he is a huge export from this part of the world. And being a New Zealander, quite naturally, as an Australian, we claim him. And he was actually born in <laughs> Brisbane. Oh, fantastic. And not, well, I'm, not, I'm not kidding. There born in go. Brisbane. So, but that's, that's an awesome combo. And that's a combo that's one of those only at Bathurst things that would happen and just the nature of this race brings combinations like that together there's three things I'm looking forward to as well one, one is how the, uh, the the NSX GT3 does because that's not been here before and that's got an interesting driver on three guys who I don't believe have ever started here right that's got in it uh, I'm just looking at the entry list right now Dane Cameron's in it yep um, along with where's that car oh there we go Dane Cameron Renga van der Zander and Mario Farmbacker well, Renga's oh, been, been here before. Renga's been here before. And was fast. Uh, yeah, well, that's Renga, isn't it? Um, and the other two are Bentley, because we always seem to come here and think, is this going to be Bentley's year? Because mm. they've come close a couple of times. And the third is 59 Racing with the 720S, because the 650S made its name here. Yes. Um, McLaren take this event extremely seriously, and seeing that lineup they've got with Ben Barnico, Tom yep. Blanc, Vist, and Alvaro Print, that's a strong one. Yeah, and another car like the NSX we've never seen here at Mount Panorama. So. We don't know how that will go. Um, the Honda, I'm really keen to see. We've been trying to get one of those in this race for a long time, so we're thrilled that Jassy here and Honda Racing are, are very, very keen to be involved. The Bentleys. I reckon Bentley would have won the race last year had it not been for the dramas they had with the kill switch on the steering wheel, and I hope they've changed that this year. But twice that happened in the race, exiting pit lane, thought they were going to hit the pit lane off button but actually turn the car off, oh. and I'm convinced that cost them the race yeah. because every year they have been in contention for this race every year they've been here they've had a car in the mix in the final stages so if they execute nicely Bentley will definitely be in the game again um, yeah the Honda's very very cool the other ones that are worth talking about the Mercedes squads this weekend and you mentioned the 2020 spec AMG they are 
unbelievably good. And um, in particular, Jamie Winkup, Shane Van Gisbergen and Maxi Gotts in the Triple Eight car are, are really, really strong combination. And Group M, who were, were terrific here last year with Rafa Marcello, who was just a live wire to watch. He was special. Um, they're going to be really good too. Yeah, and then there's obviously, you mentioned Alabama Motorsport, but Porsche have got more cars in yeah, yeah. than they've ever had before. Yep. They've got Grove stepping up from yep. a cup car. They've got absolutely know what yep. they're doing. We haven't even talked Good about Audi God. yet. <laughs> no, we're not even talking about Audi. And they've got three stunning-looking Valvoline cars, all of which have packed full of drivers that could win this. And that's a theme, genuinely, with this race. It's a race that hasn't been going a dreadfully long time, but feels like it's been around for decades. Well, this is the 10th running as a GT race. Mm. How time passes. It's, it's stunning. Well... I think that's enough of an appetizer, isn't it? I mean, if anyone's listened to this and gone, nah, it doesn't sound very good, I can't be <laughs> you're, asked. You're listening to the wrong podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You're go, and, to go and talk to some proper racing car yeah. drivers. Um, it's great you're back here, and, and thanks to having me on the podcast. It's yeah. been great, and, and thanks to everyone who shows support Before to this event. Before I let you go, there's one more thing I want to mention. Right. Because, um, you know... I, None of us who came uh, to this event from Rolex or from outside of Australia knew what to expect when they landed and made the drive here. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are drives to raise money for the bushfires, which have yep. been, you know, horrifying, a real tragedy. Yep. And, and you can see signs of scorched earth yep. when you drive here, when you go past mm. Lifco on the, on the road that I took in. Um, can you give us a little bit of details about what, what, what's going on here to raise money? Yeah, the, the, the reaction in Australia, I, mean, I think the last count, it's well over $200 million has been raised charity since this has all been going on which is amazing um yeah look it's um it's been pretty remarkable and the the last three months in australia have been real tough and and the global community has been outstanding and and we very very early in the piece were, were reached out to by the international teams first and foremost going how can we support what's going on so we're partnering with a local charity called the lions club who directly engage with local communities to pass funds on to their recovery efforts and they also provide material requirements food drink bedding the, the stuff that you wouldn't think about that people have been through these fires that they don't have stuff to make their bed with they don't have stuff to put in their kitchen because they've things. lost everything yeah so the fund funding that we raised this weekend we're going to that um there's going to be some charity auctions that go on that funding will go into it the key driver will be a fund that during the race entrance will pledge a set amount and the intercontinental gt challenge kicked it all off and they're pledging five bucks per car entered in in igtc wonderful um and i think there's what eight brands confirmed in that now yep, for the yep, season yep, which and is it's growing by the minute yeah it's nine now because yeah, we have yeah. ferrari this morning absolutely right Hot off the press yes ladies and gentlemen which is fantastic so um five bucks times what's going to be 16 cars i think if not more um so if the race went the distance it went last year that's going to be 30 odd grand donations straight out and they're not the only ones that are going to be doing that so it's terrific there's also a link that fans can get to via the Bathurst 12 hour website if they want to make their own donation that's tied through the race through through being a supporter of the race or just a supporter of motorsport we'd love that but any any donation towards these causes is just greatly appreciated and um, yeah the support that we've had from from the international community especially has been amazing perfect well uh, I hated to bring the tone down a little bit no, but, but we have got a fantastic race to look forward to and you've got free interviews coming up right now which are, are sure to whet your appetite for what is due to be another absolute classic Richard thank you so much for your time you've been very generous um, both you and I are really looking forward to this one I cannot wait it's going to be amazing <laughs> thank you very much Richard and enjoy the weekend with me first is 
Earl Bamber. Another one of us has made the, the crazy trip from the Rolex 24 hours to the Bathurst 12 hour, the consecutive race weekends once again. Um, Earl, it's a bit of a different year for you because after you, you came here last year with your team, won the race in magnificent style, and this year you're behind the wheel. Yeah, I mean, it's a different challenge for me um, personally. Obviously, um, the team, we've had one year to evolve, so we've been growing and learning as a team. So um, from that side, it's really cool. Um, my brother has done an awesome job, so he's been team manager this weekend, so he's sort of stepping up to the plate on that side. And a lot of people ask me, what, how is it running the team and driving? But I said, actually, well, there's nothing for me to do, really, because if I'm having to do something in terms of stepping into engineering or mechanicing, there's something wrong because I'm actually not an engineer or a mechanic. So there's uh, smarter, more clever guys and more skilled doing it this weekend, and we've got a good crew. So, um, so far, so good. We haven't driven yet, though. <laughs> and uh, hark back to last year, if you will, for especially for, for listeners at home that may not have seen last year's race, because it was a pretty remarkable performance for, from your guys. Yeah, I mean, it was an amazing performance. Obviously, for us, it was um, quite short notice and a new team to, to build it up very, very quickly. And, um, you know, as a team, when you put in your team owner's hat, you want to execute well and you want to make no mistakes in pit stops in the lane and make the right strategy calls for the drivers, which is something we managed to do. And uh, it's something that we'll look to do the same goal this weekend as well. Um, just to sort of repeat on that side um, and then obviously as a driver then we've got to execute last year we had an amazing last stint from Matty Campbell driving us from fourth to first and that was sort of one of the best drives seen in a long time in motor racing and some of the most exciting motor racing we've seen so um, hopefully we can emulate that This year as well as you being behind the wheel you've got uh, the fact that Porsche are coming here with, with the current car which obviously last year we were racing with the previous gem Porsche 911 um, how much of a step is that going to be and how much of a difference could it make this weekend yeah I think it's definitely a step you know um, the new car has been very very successful around the world um, Porsche has managed to build a fantastic product and we're very lucky in, in the road division but also the racing division that we've got a fantastic product right now um, so this is really really cool um, as a team it's been great because with that product now we'll run in, uh, in the World Challenge as well uh, with GT3 and Cup. So we're really nearly in all areas of the Porsche pyramid at the moment as a team, which is really, really nice. Um, and as a team at running with the Porsche, it does make it, uh, it makes it very, how is it, very viable. And the customers like to come and drive it. They all love the car, so that's great. Tell me a little bit about the driver lineups. We've got two cars here and the Banffurst 12 hours happened because... You and uh, you and Lawrence are in the car, but you're also joined by Craig Lowndes in your one, which is a pretty formidable trio, isn't it? Yeah, I mean it's it's a great lineup. I mean, first of all, when I was coming back here and we're looking at the driver lineup, I definitely wanted to do it with Lawrence. Uh, he's you know one of my best friends, and we go all around the world driving. So you know, we talk a lot about the team and what's going on. So um, it's really cool to be able to have him join the team and you know see the project that I've been doing uh, on the side from racing. Um, so that's awesome. And then obviously to have Craig Lowndes drive. I mean, I watched him grow up as a kid. Um, he's one of the, you know, Australian legends. So for me, it's it's really special. You know, if you imagine a team owner that Craig Lowndes would ever drive for your team, you wouldn't really imagine that. So it's really, really cool for, for my brother and, and myself that uh, we have him in the team. Craig's been here plenty of times in just in supercars, but also in GT machineries, won the 12-hour multiple times. Give the listeners a sense of just how much of a difference it makes in an event like this to have that local knowledge that he has. Because this is a track that, because it's not used very often, people who come here have never been here before, it, there is a learning curve, isn't there? 
Yeah, there's a learning curve and there's like those little idiosyncrasies. It's like if you imagine going down to like your local go-kart track or if you're driving on the road, your, your local Sunday drive road, you know where all the little potholes, all the little, you know, where everything is. And it's the same coming here. And obviously, us being foreign teams, we don't uh, we don't know the, the place that well. So um, having that local knowledge is definitely a big asset. It's also awesome to, to see the fans come out and support them as well. Um, obviously always interested to see what they're like leaving um, you know Triple Eight and coming here because it's one of the most long-standing relationships in, in Aussie racing but the fans have really embraced him coming to drive a Porsche and stuff like that so from that side it's, it's really awesome from the fans and uh, from everyone in the lane and the field in general which is astonishing it seems like every year we come here the GT field's bigger it's more varied it becomes more of an all-star race every time um, you must relish this level of competition because it's now got to the point where there's almost just GT3 cars out there. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a long way since I first did it in 2014. It's come a long, long way, the, the race, and, you know, everyone's stepping up to GT3 machinery, and um, the level of the field's becoming higher and higher and higher, and I think it's awesome. The, the organisers are a fantastic job to promote. It's also awesome to see the fans and the crowd that comes out as well. It's quite hot for them this weekend, but, you know, to see over the last five years, six years, the, the event grow is something awesome. Mm. And uh, Porsche's effort in general uh, is their biggest ever field of GT3 cars that they've had in this race. How much uh, of this race and the key to winning it is strength in numbers? Well, I mean, it's just another sort of bow in your bow in your armoury um, that you've got, and obviously. Um, numbers will tell you you lose cars during the race so the more they have the better it is so um you know we're we hope from our side we've got two really good cars um with the pro-am car and, and also the pro car so hopefully we can have a good result as a team perfect thanks for your time Al. thanks Best mate luck. cheers next up's matt campbell driving the 911 absolute porsche uh, here at the bathhouse 12 hour matt it's been quite a few years for you isn't it since uh, since some of the more memorable moments you've had here i'm thinking back to 2017 you had a remarkable run here how much does has this race done for your career i mean huge amounts you know and, and saying that you know this is also my one of my favorite events in the entire world but uh you know also my favorite racetrack in the entire world so i just love coming here i've been competing in the Bathurst 12 hours since 2014 and uh, obviously ever since joining Porsche, you know, the cars have been able to drive here and the results that we've had is uh, quite incredible the last few years. And, you know, in saying that what we were able to achieve last year was, uh, you know, a huge ticket of box. Porsche had never won here overall. And uh, also it was the last race of that generation of GT3R. So perfect way to send it off. And uh, I think it really put me on the, the world GT map. So this year you've got Matthew Jaminet and Patrick Pillay with you. You've got to think, you're in with a real chance here, because that is, I mean, amongst a field of all-star lineups. This is another one, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. I mean, uh, Mathieu gained great experience here last year. You know, uh, Patrick, he's never been here before, but he's saying that, you know, he's a world-class factory driver, been with Porsche for many years, and, uh, you know, he's going to get on pace straight away. So I think we've got one of the stronger lineups, you know, that, that are in the field. You know, but in saying that, you know, there's some extremely strong manufacturers, teams and drivers here competing. So I think it's going to be one of the toughest 12 hours we've ever seen um, because, in you know, there's a lot less smaller cars, a lot less shitty fours and, and also invited cars. So uh, I think this will be a, a really special race this year. Tell me a little bit about uh, the field. You mentioned the fact there are, aren't as many cars from other classes. 
is that going to make this a tougher race or, or an easier race as a driver, not having that volume of traffic to pass? Uh, from my side, I think tougher because it's going to be a faster race. You know, you're really going to be have to be pushing more from the start. I would say, you know, making sure that you're always on the lead lap, not making any mistakes, and, and this is really difficult here. You know, string string together a really fast stint. You know. Whereas previously, when you catch a slower car, you know, you really have to be patient across the top, not take too much risk, where I think this year, you know, you're really going to have to be taking a little bit more risk to be able to uh, be fast and be competitive up front. The absolute racing guys know what they're doing. They've been around a long time. They've been with a variety of manufacturers. Here with Porsche this year, um, there's obviously a lot of of buzz surrounding Porsche coming to this event with, with more cars than it ever has before. But tell the listeners what this team behind the scenes that you're with is like professionalism wise yeah i mean obviously it's quite unique you know we've got a a few different teams here this weekend from a few different areas of the world but in saying that you know we're all working together you know porsche is obviously backing all the teams and uh you know working together on setup making sure that we can get the best result possible not only for the brand but you know for our individual cars so there's two cars running in the complete championship you know, we want to be able to win the Manufacturers and Drivers' Championship again like we did last year. So uh, there's a big emphasis. You know, I was lucky enough to drive with Absolute last year in Suzuka at the IGTC race and we were able to get on the podium. So this is a really good event. You know, I've already gained some good experience with the team and, uh, you know, I, I know what they're like. I know the team members. So obviously coming to such an event, but I know very well. If they've never been here before with the Porsche, I think it's a, a perfect relationship. It's easy to forget that this is a round of the IGTC uh, because it, this works and has worked for a long time as a standalone. How much are you thinking about points and championship at this point? Because obviously it is the opening round of the championship and once we get to the end of the season, it, all the pressure's on when it comes to the manufacturer zones with this many factories involved. Yeah, 100%. I mean, uh, you know, and that was really our approach last year. You look how competitive we were at every event. You know, we didn't necessarily win every event but we're always very competitive and up front and, and getting those points and, and certainly this is always in the back of our minds from the first round because we want to be there at the end and we want to be on that top step overall not only at uh, each race but in the championship so this race plays an important part in that because it's one, I, I would say one of the toughest um, you know after Spa 24 so uh, it's a critical event you know it can easily go sour um, but uh, I have no doubt we'll be, uh, we'll be able to be competitive straight away Fill in the blank for me. To win this race, Absolute Racing has to what? I mean, perform at the highest level. You know, there's no doubt about that. And I think that goes for everyone down pit lane. You know, this race is getting tougher and tougher. And you really have to be on it every single lap of the race. I think it's turning into a 12-hour sprint race, to be honest. And uh, I think this year is going to be the biggest and best yet. Do you, are you pleased that they've kind of backtracked in the regulations? Uh, there's, there's still that fluidity in terms of strategies you can use. We don't have minimum pit stop times and things like that, do we? Yeah, I think it's really good. Obviously, it's an intercontinental GT World Challenge Championship, and uh, you know it's something quite unique to this sort of racing. I mean, we're racing on different continent everywhere, different rules basically every every uh, racetrack we go to. So uh, it's really good. It keeps everyone on their toes, and it brings something from uh, you know the country that you're racing in um you know something uh you know a little bit special which i think is quite cool and uh you know as it showed last year it can really spice things up and uh, i think this is uh really good for the fans watching at home on tv Mm. Uh, my final question is about you know the interest that this event gathers i mean since i first came here a couple of years ago it seems like it's taken a step up a gear um 
this may not be the Le Mans 24 hours in terms of millions of viewers and 250,000 people trackside but this is a genuinely important event on the calendar in Australian motorsport now isn't it? Yeah 100% I mean everyone wants to do it um, and you look at what uh, what the race did last year for the viewing and, and how many people attended the race you know every year it's gotten bigger and bigger and I have no doubt this year's going to take another step as well I mean this race is just gaining 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 and you know the racing and the show we put on last year I think really showed just how important this race is and how special it is to not only the people in Australia but people across the world because every manufacturer wants to win here Porsche was able to finally tick that box last year never having won a race here so uh I think it's only going to keep going up and up and I think this is only going to you know, be better and better in the future years as well. Perfect. Thanks so much for your time and best of luck this weekend. Yeah, thank you very much. Well, the last guest who's with me for this Porsche Special podcast is, is a member of Australian Motor Racing Royalty and that is Craig Lowndes. And before I go any further, Craig, I've got to say it's weird seeing you in, in decked out in Porsche gear. Oh, hopefully it might be uh, that strange after the next couple of days. But, uh, mm. yeah, it's the first time that I've raced a Porsche, which is, um, you know, interesting. I've, I've, you know, we race against, um, you know, other drivers that have been, you know, like Earl, that have, that have come into the, sort of the supercar world from Porsche. Um, you know, we, we've had little Matty Campbell in our, in our supercar team. And uh, so we're, there's been a bit of a crossover between the two codes. But uh, really, at the end of the day, it's, uh, you know, it's nice, um, nice to have a, a different challenge. Uh, it's a car that I haven't raced before so uh, really looking forward to the next couple of days and sort of seeing what the car's like everyone's telling me how easy the car is quite neutral, balanced and uh, you know, looking forward to having that confidence going across the top of the mountain Tell me the story of how this all came about this link up, this Bamfor uh, cross Craig Lowndes Well, where do you start? I think that uh, you know, after the end of uh, the 12 hour last year we, we had um, you know, a bit of conversation with Porsche um, through Porsche Australia and uh, Troy was really good um, and of course it got to a point where uh, I wasn't included in the in the Mercedes lineup and, uh, and of course the, the next phone call was to see whether there was an opportunity within Porsche, Porsche. and um, and then when we found out when Earl um, was going to sort of uh, campaign to run two cars here th- this year which was really good um, and to be part of the driver lineup so it all sort of fell into place um, not by chance but um, but probably being the right place at the right time certainly in europe and north america and and asia i guess porsche has a huge foothold as a, as a sort of a key brand in motorsport one that has a huge list of success is one pretty much everywhere what's it like here in this market is this i mean porsche i imagine is, is just as big as it is elsewhere Oh yeah, very much so. And I think that uh, you know the Carrera Cup that, that again races uh, alongside supercars is is, a, is is a testament to that. I think that uh, you know Porsche have a very uh, strong presence here in Australia. I think not only the road car side of it, but the race car. Um, this weekend it just showcases just how, how strong the twelve hour here in Australia has become. When I first raced here years many years ago, there was probably three or four pro cars. Now there's I think uh, twenty or thirty pro cars. So it, it is quite uh, expanded quite a lot. I think the competition this year is probably the hardest we've seen. Um, there's a lot of good drivers even in pro am cars. Uh, so it's it's going to be a tough tough sort of race in the sense of speed i think it's depending on the temperature of the, of the weekend whether it's going to be one of the fastest i think that uh, there's no doubt that uh, you know the cars have improved the bop is obviously what it is and uh, you know watching also these guys race at daytona last weekend was quite impressive to see the car roll out mechanically it was strong um you know they got they got the the two three position but uh you know of course this 
this weekend come here as reigning champions from the 12 hour is um, you know is quite special have you had a chance to drive uh, the Porsche before you hit the track here this week uh, I've driven it into town and out of town. Uh, I think that I've done all of about probably ten kilometres. Uh, I've did I've done a really slow lap of, of uh, Bathurst when <laughs> we did the out lap. Uh, I think that the, the biggest thing that I need to get my head around um, quickly is obviously the electronics and, and the dash layout, steering wheel layout, what uh, what I need to operate, what what I need to do uh, for Lawrence and and, um, and Earl and, and a lot of the pro drivers. That in Porsche, probably second nature for them, but for me, I need to understand that process. Uh, so that that for me is probably the biggest. Hurdle to get my head around right now the circuit yeah i know really well um you know if the car is what they say it is it's uh, you know user friendly for a driver that's uh, you know I'm, I'm really looking forward to that side of it you've had pl- plenty of experience i guess dr- jumping from gt3 car to gt3 car in this sort of uh, well, the last few years we, we've kind of seen gt3s take another step up in terms of the way the cars are presented and how drivable they are and um, it's just getting more and more professional all the time. Is it uh, is it easier as a driver now than it was, say, ten years ago, to just hop in and, and get a feel? I think to some some degree, it's probably easier car to drive as as even a novice. But but again, like anything, to to find that threshold and that maximum speed out of any car is always um, you know the challenge. And also, uh, you know, really important that uh, you know I do my 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 job, my role for the team, and um, you know. It, Hopefully that uh, you know we're fighting you know in the in the eleventh hour we're we're at the front again like they were last year fighting for the victory. It's um, you know the cars themselves are although they might be a little bit easier to drive but they're they're you know they're, they're quite um, sophisticated in the way that uh, you know the electronics and everything the way they the, their aids and, and the way they operate. Now, if there's anybody in this paddock to talk about this specific circuit, it's got to be you, right? I mean, you've been here, <laughs> been racing here since the sort of early nineties, I guess, yeah. and. Uh, You've seen this play so many times. I guess it's probably evolved a little bit. Um, but for listeners who have never been here before, listeners who have never walked the circuit and seen how steep it is, um, give them a sense of just how difficult of a circuit this is to race on. Uh, it's a good question because the elevation change is probably the, what, what the beauty of this track um, presents. I think that's uh, 6.24 kilometres in, in duration, 23 four corners. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, for me, it's... Uh, you spend probably uh, two-thirds of the time of the lap getting up the mountain. You spend a third of the time getting off it. So a lot of your time is made going up it and getting across the top of it. Um, you know, for, my, for me, the exciting part of the whole circuit is from literally skyline all the way down to Forest Elbow because you're descending down off the mountain. Um, it's one of those things that um, it, it's hard to describe. You know, I've raced at Spa, a little bit through a rouge, but in a different way, uh, because instead of having the negative G, you sort of make a positive G as you go over Skyline. You don't, you physically can't see the track; it just disappears from underneath you. So, you know, your muscle memory and memory of the track and where you need to, to locate the car and position the car is really important, really critical. Um, the GT3 cars across the top of the mountain are extremely quick. You very, very much don't have to to break. You just got to just have a little lift at times. Um, so the the aero balance is, is incredibly um, impressive. Uh, of course, the ABS and the, and the stability um, is allows drivers to attack, you know, skyline, forest elbow, um, even up into the cutting. So all that side of it is really, uh, you know, um, important to get right because it's still at the end of the day, if the race cars, it's a race track. If you get it wrong, you're going to be in the wall. Hmm. Uh, we know that driving supercars and driving GT3 cars, different animals entirely. You, it's not easy to jump in a supercar and be on the pace immediately. 
but the characteristics of them going around this circuit are very different, and the pay the difference in pace is different. But which is a more difficult challenge in terms of you know uh, how physical it is? I guess. Uh, well, I think they've they got their challenges. Um, the supercar, for example, it's you know front engine like like probably the Bentley and the Mercedes. Um, it's a very heavy car to drive. It's probably a ton and a half by the time you put a drive of fuel in it. Um, they're under tired. They're six hundred and forty horsepower. Um, incredibly incredibly quick going up Mountain Strait, Conrod Strait, Conrod Strait. You're close to three hundred kilometers an hour. Um, you're flat still down into the kink um, into the chase. But again, you're probably at the 150 mark. You know, when you got to jump on the brakes, um, supercars don't have ABS, traction controls, any electronic aids. It's all done by the driver. So all that sort of thing is is really um, hard to manage at times. Uh, and again, the temperature inside the cars are at least 25 degrees hotter than ambient. So again, like on today, like it's 40 degrees almost. It's you know, it's going to be 65, 70 degrees inside a race car. Um, so that they're the elements that you got to really fundamentally try and get your mind around and try to. And you're still doing double stint. Um, racing here so trying to still spend two hours in a car or an oven for that long is mentally tough Uh, so the GT3 cars are probably a little bit easier in that regard but again then you're still looking at uh, you know 285 86 down Conrod in a GT3 you're probably breaking about the 100 meter mark so you're going a lot deeper than what you will um, in a supercar um, and as I said, across the top of the mountain is where the, where the GT3 car excels. It's just the, the aerodynamics, the downforce, the balance, um, the tyre. It, it, the tyre size suits the car size. So, uh, again, the consistency, longevity of, of the car is, is quite incredible. And, again, you know, to do 12 hours around here is, is really hard on cars anyway. Brakes are, you know, um, get, get a gruelling really around here. Like, it's just amazing to see how many big brake effort and descent um, uh, decline uh, there is there, I'm thinking of even in turn one mountain straight um, you know across the top of the mountain but down into the dipper uh, forest elbow uh, and of course the end of Conrad straight is, is, is the, the hardest the car will have to break so there's some big challenges for cars and drivers to get their head around this event itself is, is almost un- un- you can't really compare it to the first time you came here in terms of what the grid was like and what the event was like as a whole um, it's certainly more professional. Is it as fun? Uh, oh, yeah, it's more fun. I think that as as the years go on and as they get more professional, there's definitely no doubt that, um, you know, teams, drivers, you know, you look at a lot of, um, I suppose, uh, European teams that have come, you know, that they classify now this as one of their, you know, their races they want to win, uh, you know, Porsche were fantastic last year and managed to, to, to take it out. Little Matty Campbell did a fantastic last stint. And, uh, you know, he where he passed the Aston Martin in Forest Elbow is not a normal play, especially when the Aston was, was hard up against the fence, but he got it done. And, uh, you know, it was quite incredible to see the the difference. And again, again, the GD3 cars, the, the beauty about them, but they've all got their strengths and weaknesses. And, uh, you know, the Porsche probably didn't have the strength in the straight line, but a, a consistency, reliability, and across the top of the mountain, the speed that they could carry was far better than most. So it's, uh, you know, that's the beauty about the, 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 this category this weekend is, is you, you, you build on your strengths, but you've got to make sure you've got a strong weakness. And it amazes me that, that it, the pace continues to get faster. Hmm. You know, it's not like the cars are going through massive evolution development cycles over the winter they're frozen once they come out you know it's BOP BOP is a regulated um, formula of racing and yet the lap times just seem to come down and down and down all the time yeah I think that's uh, it's a combination of you know the, the track's been resurfaced it's, it's obviously in a, in a good way temperature is, is a massive part of the, the, the lap time 
being so hot over the course of these next couple of days, I'm not sure we'll see the fast speed of the cars. Uh, maybe over one lap, but not over over multiple laps because of obviously tire deg and tire wear. Um, so that's going to be something that uh, you know we're going to have to get our head around. Hopefully, the track knowledge around here is that side of it will come come into play, especially when you're going to look at doing race runs. Looking after the tire is, is incredibly important. Um, and again, you know, if you look at um, other categories that come here, and you know, in the last couple of years, everyone's been getting faster. So it's no doubt that uh, you know, manufacturers are getting smarter. They're building better cars, stronger cars, faster cars, um, and, that, and that's just an evolution of, of what we are, where we are. There's the cliche, isn't there, with uh, endurance racing where people say you know, qualifying doesn't necessarily matter anything because it's a long race, <laughs> but. For this event, I feel like qualifying is actually quite a key part of this because it's it's a unique event in a sense that there's no night practice. The race starts in the darkness and just having the front row grid spot here and not having to deal with that traffic and and just sort of the, the chaos that can ensue at the start of this race is probably a huge advantage, right? Uh, well, it is. I think some way, yeah, we've started on pole here in the past and, uh, yeah, look, it's great to go across the top of the mountain with clean and clear air um, but in saying that like it, it really like as long as you're in the first couple of rows of the, of the grid you're hopefully competing with other other drivers other teams that are quite sensible quite smart you don't want to be in the middle of the pack or towards the end because again the speed uh, difference between the categories within the categories um, is pretty vast and uh, you it's know, a circuit that's not lit either I mean no. this is a pitch black circuit well, it is a pitch black circuit for about probably about forty minutes to fifty minutes from the start to when the sun comes above the blue mountains. And uh, look, it's a beautiful sight when you're actually driving the first stint to, to approach skyline and see the glow coming up over the blue mountains out of Sydney um, is quite incredible. But again, it's it's probably no different to like Spa uh, when I raced in twenty four hours there, like that the dew and the, and the change of temperature at that time uh, is something the drivers have got to be mindful of, and and that's really uh, experience counts. Um, but yeah, you're right. There's no light across the top of the mountain so it's going to be quite interesting to people that haven't done a night race here do you still get a bus from coming here i mean i've been here once before and i've come in the second time and actually i feel a little bit more like my jaws hit the floor quicker than it did the first time i think before i was maybe a little bit overwhelmed by the place but now I'm, i'm taking it all in and it is it is a mecca of motorsport and i don't say that about everywhere you go there are a few places in the world where when you turn up here you know, wherever you, wherever you are, whether it's Daytona or Sebring or Le Mans, you turn up and you know it's a place that's stripping in history. It feels like, and this is one of them. Do you still get that feeling when you when you see that mountainside? Considering you've been here so many times, uh, yes. And in probably to the point of the day that I don't get that feeling, I'll stop. Um, because it's one of those things. You drive over the Blue Mountains out of Sydney, which is about two and a half hours out of. Uh, a major city and then of course you go west out of Australia and you've got really not much once you get over the Blue Mountains and you come over the last little section and you can look up to the top of the mountain and see the Mount Panorama and the white rock that's formed um, it gives you goosebumps because you know the history here um, my father was it was even part of this place way before I was even born so I've grown up in a in motor racing family that has great heritage and a great history here and uh, you know it is a special place there's no doubt about that and, and you know at the end of the day if whatever category you can cover you're in if you can win your category or if you can win the outright which is what we're trying to do this weekend it's it's a really special moment to stand on top of the, the podium at the end um and knowing that as a team collectively you've done your job you must be pleased that this this event's you know it's, it's getting the recognition i think it deserves now it, it has an international audience which it didn't have not that long ago 
Uh, no, and I think that uh, TV coverage is great. It's fantastic for any sport. You know, now we've got live from start to finish. You know, where be, you know a couple of years ago there's only highlight packages, so that's also improved the the, the forecasting of, of of the event. Um, yeah, overseas people that, that that come and experience, they go home and hopefully they tell ten other people. And then of course, you know, it's not long before it, the word gets around. And, and uh, you know, I've raced in in as you said uh, a number of manufacturers here, and when I first started. As I said, there was probably three or four pro cars, and now it's it's just incredible to see the field of cars. And and again, it's a credit to the, the manufacturers that have kept in the sport, building cars and, and developing cars for for not only here but you know around the world. Your career, I mean, you've, you've stepped back from full time supercars, so you're kind of unshackled in a way. <laughs> and I'm sure, you know, as we've seen now with Porsche, yeah. it doesn't take a lot for you to score a drive somewhere because of your heritage. What are, we, what are you going to do in the next few years was you, in this point of your career? Have you got a list of items in the background that you're working on and you're trying to tick them off? Oh, yeah, there's always, um, you know, the races that uh, you want to be part of before, you know, you, you hang your helmet up for the final time. Um, yeah, the, it, to be honest, people have asked me what it's like. By the way, I'm not saying, I'm not calling you old, <laughs> and I'm not saying you're hanging your helmet up anytime no. soon. You could race another 10 years. Oh, thank you. But... <laughs> but what are you looking at? Um, well, to be honest, you know, one of the races that I've always wanted to do and has been on the hit list since probably the 90s when I first started was Le Mans. Like, that's just, again, another iconic race track, another event that, uh, you know, it just attracts people to, to want to be there. Um, I've been lucky enough to do the Spa 24-hour um, be nice to go back but again unfortunately we're on the wrong side of the world you know we got to make sure that we don't have date clashes and everything else that's the first thing that i think nearly every drive up and down pit lane of a supercar or anybody here gets out in the in the, in the early part of the season or the or the year is uh, basically laying out all the calendar lists and seeing what we can and can't do supercars are a major major thing here and of course you know doing the commentary for that i'm always away that weekend anyway but um you know if there's an opportunity to do other things yeah definitely like to um, to, to do that side of it as much as i can but you know the, at the moment um, the focus is on this weekend and and uh, you know being a the third uh, you know musketeer of uh, of, of car one you got to do the mon though right come on well, yeah i'd like to but like the to. the Bamfor cross craig lounge i mean that could work <laughs> quite well as a gt pro car couldn't it well i could do i think that uh, i no doubt i'll be talking to earl over the course of the weekend but look as i said you that that's the wish list down the road. Um, and right now is is to get my backs backside in a car and uh, and seeing what the, the Porsche 911 is like. And um, and again, um, uh, if I can fulfil my part of the the role at this weekend, who knows what the future holds? It's always a pleasure, Craig. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time and and enjoy this one. I hope it goes well for you. Thank you. I will.